More than a million people have heart attacks in the United States each year. We usually picture someone having crushing pain in their chest and maybe falling to the floor. But a surprising number of heart attacks can occur without a person even realizing it's happening. They're called silent heart attacks. Silent in general means that at least it wasn't the standard heart attack, meaning you always hear about an elephant standing on your chest or a rubber band across your chest or chest pressure or tightness that we classically see depicted in movies and, and actually can be the symptom that people have when they have a heart attack. But not everyone has symptoms. In fact, about a third of people will not have symptoms of a typical nature when they're having a heart attack. That's Dr. Martha Galati, a cardiologist at the University of Arizona and editor-in-chief of the American College of Cardiology's patient education initiative, Cardiosmart.org. It is true that sometimes you can have absolutely no symptoms, but sometimes it can also mean that the symptoms were so subtle that people didn't notice them or that they had symptoms, but they didn't know they were having a heart attack at the time. An example of that would be like someone who had a severe bout of indigestion. And then, you know, somehow, maybe in the next month or so, gets sent to a cardiologist and the cardiologist realizes actually they might have had a heart attack and it might have been at the time that they had that indigestion. Sometimes it can also be when people have flu-like symptoms. They think they're just run down having a flu when in fact they're actually having a heart attack. Usually patients are quite surprised to hear that they've had a heart attack. Silent heart attacks occur about 20, 30, maybe a little bit more percent of the time. So they're not at all unusual. And when we tell people, oh, you've had a heart attack, they say, I had no chest pain going down my arm or something that they associate with a heart attack. And sometimes the symptoms can be very mild or even non-existent. Dr. Robert Vogel is professor of medicine and cardiology at the University of Colorado, Denver, co-author of the book The Pritikin Edge, and an active advocate for Pritikin ICR. It's not exactly like the tree falling in the forest nobody hears, because if you're having heart attacks, something is going to happen. Hundreds of thousands of people die every year due to sudden cardiac death, which is a rhythm problem where the heart goes so fast it can't really pump anymore. And that is a consequence early on in the first few hours of a heart attack. And that, if you're sitting at home taking an antacid, is a disaster because you're not going to expect it and your family around you is not going to expect it. So silent heart attacks with regard to that complication are really a disaster because you're preventing yourself from prompt medical attention, which can save your life. Taking antacids in response to what's really a silent heart attack isn't unusual because it often feels like indigestion. Indigestion is common and it's often confused. And even we have trouble as cardiologists sometimes differentiating indigestion or heartburn from the symptoms of a heart attack. And that's why whenever we see a patient in the emergency room or in the office, they say, oh, I'm having some sort of heartburn. We as cardiologists are always thinking, well, was that heartburn or or was that cardiac pain? So the advice to anybody is unless you've seen some physician and have definitively characterized it as heartburn, We are very concerned about new heartburn in individuals who are at risk for heart attacks. So if you have anything, you just can't assume that it is 
a heartburn as much as it may feel to you like some sort of indigestion that you had after last year's Thanksgiving. However, that's far from the only symptom among people who are actually having a silent heart attack or who've had one in the past and haven't felt good ever since. Emergency room doctors usually have heart attacks prominently on their radar, but Vogel says sometimes even they miss the diagnosis. Heart attack can really be quite unusual, and it's more unusual in older folks, more unusual in women, and more unusual and silent in diabetics. So, for example, a woman may experience some fatigue or just not feeling right. She's tired, she's a little short of breath. She comes in and sees a doctor and they get an electrocardiogram and there was a heart attack. So the symptoms can be very transient, very mild, very similar to other common things like fatigue that occur in daily life. Women particularly will get told, oh, maybe it's anxiety, maybe you're stressed out. And it's well documented in the medical literature that we don't treat women as aggressively as men. And women, it's much harder for them to even get an EKG, even when they come to the emergency room with these subtle symptoms. Same with diabetics. And it's surprising to me, particularly about diabetics, because when you have diabetes, in my mind, you have heart disease until proven otherwise. And we know diabetics can have eight typical symptoms or no symptoms at all. But these groups really do often get missed. They might come in and they know something's wrong, but they don't say those classic symptoms of crushing chest pain, tightness, neck pain, jaw pain, left arm pain, left shoulder pain. And when the doctors don't hear those keywords, they don't always look at the heart as being a risk. So how do people find out they've had a silent heart attack? Often, it's luck. I've had patients sent to me by dentist because they're complaining about a tooth pain or by orthopedic surgeon because they were complaining about neck pain or back pain or abdominal pain or something that doesn't trigger the usual suspicion for a heart attack, but turns out to be that. So it is a difficult area, both for us and for patients, to zero in on unless we're really thinking about it. When people don't know that they've had a heart attack, how do they know that they should even see a cardiologist, let alone get on the right medications at the time of a heart attack? You know, because they don't even know that it happened. And unless they're fortunate enough to have mentioned either subtle symptoms to their doctor and their doctor has the wherewithal to get an EKG or get some sort of imaging done of the heart and ultimately get them referred to a cardiologist, they may never even know anything happened. And we know that those people who have a silent heart attack aren't at any less of a risk of a second event and in fact might be at a higher risk of a future heart attack for the reason that they're not on the right medications. So while a lot of people might assume that a silent heart attack isn't as serious as one with crushing pain, that's not correct. A silent heart attack that goes on for a few hours may end up being fatal. A silent heart attack can be every bit as severe. And remember, if you think by any stretch of the imagination you're having a heart attack or something unusual is going on, call 911. Mistake number one, don't drive yourself to the hospital or physician's office. Mistake number two, don't have somebody living with you drive yourself there. Call 911. I can't tell you how many patients I've had, even those who've previously had heart attacks, who come in, I didn't want to bother somebody or I'm afraid of the expense. But the problem is, early in a heart attack, your heart can really stop. 
We know that we can start therapy earlier when the ambulance arrives. They can alert the emergency room to what's going on. They get a cardiogram. Anything bad happens, they can treat it. It's just a much safer way to go. Doctors want a head start because they want to treat heart attacks aggressively. Vogel says it's better for both immediate survival and avoiding long-term damage due to scarring of the heart muscle. Today, we treat heart attacks by opening up the artery. And the longer you wait in opening up the artery, the less successful you are in getting that myocardium to revive. We know that after a heart attack, that which determines your future is how much muscle dies. And the earlier you can get into a hospital and the earlier that artery can be opened, then the greater chance you are to live through that event and to live happily thereafter. That scarring in particular is at greater risk of arrhythmias, particularly dangerous arrhythmias that cause sudden cardiac death or cardiac arrest. And so that scarring really makes the heart more irritable. It makes these dangerous rhythms more likely. And that's where we always hope that we can meet these people before that happens to see if they're at a greater risk of such things happening. When someone actually has a heart attack and has symptoms, our hope is we can open up the artery that's causing the problem where there's a blockage and prevent scarring. And the problem with silent heart attacks is, you know, it happens at home and we don't get the chance necessarily to open an artery or get the blood flowing to the heart muscle, and therefore the risk of scarring is even greater. That scarring means that people who've had silent heart attacks are at a much higher risk of a variety of other later problems as well. It makes it more likely that patients or individuals will get chest pain when they exercise. It makes it more likely that they will have heart failure. Heart failure is when the heart can't pump enough blood, and specifically heart attacks cost you heart muscle. And as you use up your reserve, then your heart can't pump, and shortness of breath and swelling and fatigue occur. So that's a consequence. Heart attacks make it more likely to have another heart attack. So in the weeks and months following a heart attack, if you don't seek medical attention, you're not getting the medicine and the lifestyle changes that can prevent another one. And during this vulnerable period after the heart attack, you are more likely to have another one and perhaps not survive it. Vogel says that 80 to 90 percent of heart disease can be prevented using both medicines and lifestyle changes to control factors such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and obesity. If you have those risk factors, Galati says you're just as much at risk of a silent heart attack as a regular one. If you have a lot of risk factors, whether it's a family history of early heart disease, whether you know you have high blood pressure or high cholesterol, if you're a smoker, if you're a diabetic, if you don't exercise on a regular basis, if you're obese, all of those things are risk factors, as is age, actually. So as we get older, we're at a greater risk of having heart disease, and as we get older, sometimes the heart attacks do, in fact, tend to be silent. So knowing if you're at risk is the key. Seeing your doctor on an annual basis is also key because that way you should be talking every year, you know, so what is my greatest risk right now? Am I at risk for any disease? And what should I be doing to prevent that? And also deciding whether you need a screening test, whether it's an EKG or some imaging or discussion of have you had any symptoms since I last saw you that might 
be related to your heart. If Galati sees a patient who's recently been having trouble walking much, where they could easily walk before, she suspects a heart problem until it's specifically ruled out. That can be the kind of person who's experienced a silent heart attack and needs medical attention right away. You can find out more about all of our guests through links on our website, radiohealthjournal.net, where you can also find archives of our programs. You can also find them on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm Reed Pence. Medicare and their list of suppliers continue to change. So if you have diabetes, it may affect where you get your testing supplies. But rest assured that your number one doctor-recommended one-touch testing supplies are always covered by Medicare Part B at your local pharmacy and approved mail-order suppliers. Dr. Brian Levy, Chief Medical Officer at LifeScan, maker of one-touch products. Some mail-order suppliers may offer a limited selection of diabetes testing supplies. They may try to switch you to a different brand, saying your current products are no longer covered. That's just not true. You are entitled to continue using the products you know and trust and that have been recommended by your healthcare professional at no additional cost. Remember, you have a choice. Stay with a number one brand used by Medicare patients. For questions about coverage or where to get your one-touch testing supplies, call 1-866-621-6216 or visit www.onetouch.com slash Medicare. Medicare Part B is not a guarantee of coverage and payment, which may be subject to coinsurance, deductible, and patient eligibility requirements. If you're among the millions of Americans who get cold sores, you know these blisters on the lips can be both physically and emotionally painful. Cold and flu season means cold sore season, too, according to New York City dermatologist Dr. Neil Sadik. Lips can endure a lot of damage during the winter, with low temperatures and humidity leading to dry, cracked, and chapped lips. The cold and flu season is often accompanied by cold sores, which may be triggered by fever. But this year, you can do something about the pain and appearance of cold sores with a treatment like Carmex Cold Sore Treatment. Carmex Cold Sore Treatment, selected by consumers as a 2015 product of the year, is distinctly different from other over-the-counter cold sore products. It is the only spot treatment that instantly relieves pain and itch with 10% benzocaine, while also minimizing the appearance of the cold sore. Find out more about Carmex Cold Sore Treatment at MyCarmex.com. Almost twice as many U.S. adults call a healthcare professional when their child experiences flu symptoms versus when they personally experience flu symptoms. According to a new survey from the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases, NFID, and Genentech, many adults also incorrectly believe that when the flu hits someone in their household, they will get sick as well. Dr. William Schaffner, NFID medical director, explains why this isn't true. It's important for adults to take care of themselves as well as those they care for, including children. The virus doesn't have to take down your whole family if one person gets sick. There are ways to fight flu. Prescription flu medicines can help you get better faster and may prevent others in your household from getting the flu. An annual vaccination and everyday preventative actions, like washing your hands, are still the best ways to help stop the spread of the flu. Visit NFID.org and flufacts.com for more flu-fighting tips.